Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest Doom Patrol related podcast where each episode we talk long and lovingly about our favourite superhero team of all time, the mighty Doom Patrol. Hey everyone, I'm Paul, you can find me on Twitter at reading underscore hicks um, and you can send us emails to waitingfordoom at gmail.com and we also have a website, waitingfordoom.com um, and we're on Facebook and all our episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio and Podbean and in the computer. Yeah, they're all in there. <laughs> Yes, they all are, yes. Uh, hello, I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at AvantGov. You can also find on Twitter our sentient show account. He's Wilfred. He's at WFDPod. G'day, Wilfred. How are you? Hello, humans. <laughs> this week on the show, we are returning to Volume 5 for some more Giffen Clark goodness. Hooray, hooray. Uh, but first, Paul, how has your couple of weeks in comics and such been? Yeah, really good. Yeah, I've been uh, reading the new comics, as the kids say. Um, so, but uh, I really, really, really enjoyed. Um, I'm just going to say commentary. Uh, I don't usually think of Brian ben- Michael Bendis as a guy who sticks the landing on his stories that often. Right. Right. Um, but but he he's he just wrapped up like twelve issues of Superman um, and really stuck the landing and introduced the Legion of Superheroes again. So yes. and I was very impressed with that. So it was a bloody good read, Excellent. as the kids say. <laughs> You've been hanging out with lots of young people this week, have you? Uh, I, I'm all about the young people. I'm climate striking, and yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. I didn't go to school the other Didn't day. You? Oh, well, <laughs> solidarity. <laughs> well done. Well done. Any, any other good books that have caught your eye? Um, no, I am, I'm up to my nostrils in uh, DC OCD reading. So. Right. <laughs> Ouch. As the kids say. Right. I'm, yeah, I hear so many kids say, wow, dude, I'm up to my nostrils in homework. You know, I'm up to my nostrils in comics. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. What about, what about you, uh, Michael? I, I have not read a single comic, other than the ones we're going to talk about in this episode. Um, I've been using all my limited free time to, to get well and truly back into my miniatures painting and playing. So I've been really digging that, you know, the, the roar of the dice, the, the smell of the paint, the, the excitement of, you know, pushing little plastic men around tabletops. Oh, love it. It's very good fun. Mm. So um, It's almost like you can't really do two hobbies. Almost. Like <laughs> almost. A, yeah. a man can't ride two horses, as the kids say. <laughs> really? I, that one I've not heard the kids say. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Different kids in your area, I guess. So yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, so no, I, I I've been um, yeah get, getting well and truly stuck into my my uh, miniatures wargaming hobby uh, quite a bit and um, getting caught up on what we my friends and I call uh, our ziggurat of shame. Uh, we we each have this problem where we we buy new stuff with every intention of building and painting it, and then another shiny thing comes along that gets added to the pile of shame until it turns into a ziggurat of shame. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> yeah, 
So I'm slowly trying to work through the Ziggurat of Shame, although a couple of items may have been added to it in the last 24 hours. So, good times, good times. But no, actually, I, I, I tell a slight white lie. I have been slowly working through uh, Batman the Golden Age Volume 2 once again, but I don't know, these stories from the 1940s, they're, they're just not grabbing me, as the kids say. It's It's all very much, you know... <laughs> fighting gangsters and, and hoodlums down on the waterfront and um, not really having uh, the kind of bizarre, wacky villains that Batman in this day and age does have. It's it's more about, oh, that guy's a crooked, uh. a crooked businessman and we're going to sort him out, but first we'll fight through all these thugs. So it gets a little bit samey after a bit, so... Um, but it's still still good fun seeing comics that are, you know, from the, from the 1940s, so... Yeah, but a lot of it, a lot of my time has been the painting and the playing with the miniatures. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Riding the other horse. Yes. <laughs> yes, lucky me, two horses. Two horse Garvey, that's what they call me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now that the horse has left the barn stable, um, let's go and have a look at the Doom News desk. Doom News. Well, it's fairly quiet on the front. We are in the uh, the pre-development stages of Season 2. Um, I, the writing staff have been engaged. Production will start, I think, in November. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's not much to report on. There is a Doom Patrol TV show T-shirt available through the DC app, the DC Universe app. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's um, it's a black T-shirt. has words Doom and Patrol on it. So Right. In that order? In that order. Oh, yes. good, good. Okay, that's, that's so handy. if you are one of the lucky people who have access to that app, uh, you can go um, buy us one. <laughs> yes. I'm an XL, I think. I I uh, I think I'm a two XL. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I'm a two XL, depending on the on the L. Yeah. Size yeah. Of yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where it's coming from. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, what's the ticking I'm hearing? Ah, uh, that you know that's a doom clock. Come on, Paul. 150, <laughs> 150 episodes in the can, and you still don't know. Come on. I have no idea. Never heard it before. Oh, good grief! You need to see a doctor about your hearing or something. <laughs> <laughs> So, as we look upon the face of the mighty Doom Clock, we can see that it has been just on three weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves, that being issue three of Doom Patrol Way to the World from Jared Way, Jeremy Lambert, Steve Orlando, Evan Doc Shaner, be still my beating heart, Tamara Bond villain, Simon Boland, Andy Curry, and Maggie Howell. That issue saw the Doom Incorporated Detective Agency investigating the mystery behind the ever-expanding Goliath City that they were trapped in, and we discussed it uh, in our last episode, uh, uh, episode 150. Uh, so issue 4 of Weight of the Worlds, which is going to take us to Destiny Beach, is due out on October 2nd, 2019, which is just one week away. What a time to be alive Woo. for all. They're still on track. They're doing great. Mm. Go yeah. Team. Yeah, go team. So, Paul, are you ready for the This Week in Doom Patrol History guessing game with thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Language. As, as the kids say. <laughs> right. It's the kids' fault that you're swearing now, is it? Okay. <laughs> Gonna roll the the eight sided die of doom, and you are getting four. Oh dear. Oh, that's not very much. No. Um, no. Okay. Is it? Uh, is it volume two? Higher. <laughs> is it volume two? Um. <laughs> No, it is not. Had enough of that, haven't you? <laughs> Never. <laughs> All right. Um, it's. I'm. I'm going to say it's volume six. Incorrect. Oh, look. Oh. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's see how you go with your remaining two questions, and I'll see. All right. Um, okay. I might be kind of benevolent and give you a bonus freebie. Maybe. All right. Uh, well, is it volume five? No. <laughs> All right, I'm doing really well now. Um, it's yes. going to be Volume 3, uh, Issue 20. I'm going to give you a bonus <laughs> gift question. Because <laughs> it's not Volume 3. I, oh. will, I, I will tell you it is definitely Volume 4. Okay, so oh. I, I'll, okay. Give you, I'll give you one more question about this issue from Volume 4. Um, is it Volume 4, Issue 5? No, it is Volume 4, Issue 16. The other end of the scale. Oh, oh, damn so, it, I'm so close. So not close at all, as the kids say. So yes, <laughs> going on sale you for... feel it. Yeah, oh yeah, in, in your waters. Uh, going on sale for US $2.50 on September 28th of 2005, with the cover date of November of that year was Issue 16 of Doom Patrol Volume 4. That story was titled Convergence Part 1 and was brought to us by John Byrne, Doug Hazelwood, Alex Blayart, Jared K. Fletcher, Michael Siglane and Mike Carlin. Uh, the issue gave us the revelation that the psyches of Mi-Sun's former drug-taking tormentors were actually hiding in her brain all along and they used her to lash out and attack the patrol. Meanwhile, more of Vortex's people arrived and began their search for him and... I mean, uh, other stuff happened. Um, actually... The best thing to come out of this issue uh, was our running gag of Henry. Henry! <laughs> Henry. <laughs> it's that one, eh? That one, as, as uh, Grunt, the four-armed gorilla, uh, otherwise known as Henry Boucher, uh, somehow senses Nudge is in peril and races out of his family's apartment to go and help save her. So uh, we covered that story all the way back in episode 130 from October of 2018, and you can find that if you so dare... God bless you. Uh, in Volume 4 of uh, uh, the Doom Dossiers, so Doom Dossier Volume 4, and that's there with all our other episodes at waitingfordoom.com. So you can check that out for further details if you really want to. And um, that is it for the Doom Clock this week. It is. Spoiler warning, Volume 4, not very good. <laughs> I mean, the episodes of us talking about it, they're fantastic. They're great. Oh, oh we were great. We were you know, fantastic. Paul, you, you were in your prime, mate. Yeah, I mean, not that you aren't... I'm not saying you aren't now, but, oh, mate, you were... Whew, hot stuff. I was just bouncing off your energy at the time. Oh, so, look, we know. were just... We were on fire, you know? We were firecrackers. <laughs> firecrackers burning the, up, as the kids say. As the kids say. <laughs> I'm just going to make a note for the possible episode title, so... Uh, <laughs> anyway, onwards and upwards, my friend. Let's go. Okay.
monthly, monthly, monthly. It's Action Film Face Off. Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Action Film Face Off! Yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL! Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence wing. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris. Technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet. But it could happen, because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it. We use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our video dome arena. It also has spikes. It does not have spikes. (laughs) But we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. Jason is not fighting a bear, but please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade. Or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face-Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face-Off. We do, indeed, invite you to come and see the blood fly. I just said that! And now it's time for Doom Splaining, where we, surprise, explain stuff about the Doom Patrol by looking at a couple of issues from a certain volume. This week we're at volume 5, looking at issues 10 and 11. And Paul, please kick us off with your synopsis of issue 10. Okay, so in issue 10, well, before issue 10, we had the events of the earlier issue numbers in which uh, the Doom Patrol uh, had Jane return to the team. She uh-huh. uh, turned up on Oolong Island carrying Danny the Brick. Um, and they were pursued by some interdimensional gentrifiers who wanted to basically seize the last piece of Danny uh, for nefarious purposes. And um, they solved the situation by creating a decoy brick after they regenerated Danny as a hut, or Danny the bungalow, as he's yes. known now. And that brought Ambush Bug to join the team at this point. Or, mm. you know, we presume he's going to join the team. He's hanging around. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was where we last left the team. But now, uh, Jane and Cliff are catching up on her release from quarantine and the departure of the MSE interdimensional construction crew. Uh, she comments upon the bond between Cliff and Rita, and he explains that they are family. He adds that she is included in that category too. Uh, he asks Jane if she needs ambush bug evicted from Danny the bungalow, but she says Father Rocky is arranging her accommodations. Nice. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, a bedbound Niles Calder is being visited by Oolong Island's president, Veronica Kale, who is infuriated by all the chaos that has come to the island and how the Doom Patrol seem to be at the centre of every single incident. 
Uh, she tells Niles that he must expose all his research and discoveries to her science squad, or he and the team will lose her protection from groups like the German government who want to uh, bring them to justice after the Black Hole incident. Uh, Niles is fairly snarky, but cooperative on the whole. Meanwhile, one of the said science squad members, Dr. Dredd, is beachcombing with a metal detector. He hears a crash and stumbles across a long-sleeved green dress lying on the sand, uh, presumably left by one of his colleagues. Suddenly, a swirling vortex of air stirs around him and strips the flesh off his arm in seconds. Ow. And then it reduces him into a skeleton in, in, in an instant. Mm. Uh, the swirl forms into a white skinned woman with cracks all across her skin uh, and she forms inside the dress and um, there's these tiny jetpack wearing little robot soldiers hovering around her hands and they disappear up her sleeves hmm that's hmm. not normal <laughs> no not at all uh, the arrival of this woman is being monitored from the Sacramento headquarters of Jost Enterprises where said billionaire J Thayer Jost and sometimes animal vegetable mineral man Sven Larsen are tracking her progress. Uh, Joss asks Sven what he thinks of the name he came up with for the team, the front men. Uh, Sven is non-committal, but he's disturbed by Joss' dismissal of his activities as a game. Uh, Joss tells Sven to undertake a mission to see how the team deal with loss, and he shows Sven a picture of Gar Logan, Beast Boy. Back on the island, the white-skinned woman encounters Black Hole, who pauses as she walks past and comments on the, ex the experience as fascinating. Jane, Cliff and Larry accompany Niles on his release from hospital in his action chair. The tension between Jane and Niles is palpable, yet he insists she should escort him to his accommodation. Their progress and discussion is cut short by the sudden collapse of the green-dressed, white-skinned woman as the swirl of particles erupts from her collapsed form. Niles and Larry's bodies are saved by a force field projection from Black Hole, who has followed the intruder. The Black Hole takes some damage from the particle swirl and comments that he can only create one force field at a time. The cloud reforms into the humanoid form of the white-skinned woman, her skin crisscrossed with fine cracks. Cliff says, a glass chick, just when you think you've seen it all. But Larry corrects him and says, porcelain. Uh, she points threateningly, then Cliff charges her. She immediately collapses into a cloud of fragments, and Cliff distressingly realises that they are inside his robot body. Uh, Larry unleashes the negative energy, who bursts through Cliff to disrupt her attack, taking Cliff out at the same time. Mm. The team are uncertain how to attack her and scared of the damage she can do to them. The stalemate is ended by Rita, who has suddenly been alerted by Jane. In giant form, she swats porcelain onto the ground, shattering her body, then quickly pounds a pile of dirt on top of the villain with her foot. The team are wondering if she's fully subdued, but they fail to notice a stray porcelain finger that clicks an MSE badge, which starts to glow. In San Francisco, Sven Larsen has arrived on top of a building across the bay from Titan's Tower. His phone rings, and Joss tells him to return to base because the Beast Boy mission is on hold. At Joss Enterprises, Thayer Joss hangs up from his call to Larsen. The building is shaken by a rumble, and the former Brotherhood of Dada member, The Toy who we haven't seen for a long time, asks if she's late as she comes in the room. Joss tells her that she couldn't have arrived at a better time, and we see the source of the rumbling is Rita Farr, embiggened fighting everybody in a lab that she's been teleported into. Mm. 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 i got to say, I really like the porcelain woman. Yeah. She gets called porcelain, basically. So just Yeah. You know, I, I think... Get that. I, I think in the next issue she actually gets mentioned as the porcelain doll. 
but but uh, not in this one. But yeah, she she's weird and creepy, and and you know, puts up a good fight for the patrol to to face. You know, she's she's really and poor Doctor Dread. He's just out on the beach on Oolong Island, and there's a journal note from Rocky Davis, the um, the father Rocky Davis, counselling the team, and he's saying how. <laughs> Dr. Dredd is concerned that his work is going to be marginalised and he'll be deemed expendable. Uh, and he kept <laughs> kept steering the conversation around to an old science fiction TV show, something about feeling like a crew member wearing a red shirt and has taken to wearing a red T-shirt day in and day out in a show of solidarity. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yes. poor bastard. <laughs> so, yes, mm. there's a fair bit of humour in the fact that he gets taken out immediately yes. while wearing his red, red shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and he's a character that we've never heard of till now. No, no. <laughs> Special cameo for one issue, exactly. So He looked a little bit like Multi-Man with the giant... He had a giant head. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, no, he, he, you know, I don't think we've ever seen him before. We'll probably never see him again. Kind of like Beast Boy in this. There's one picture of him and an animal, vegetable, mineral man gets sent to take care of him and then oh no we've got a bigger problem now which is better (laughs) than um Mm. trying to take out beast boy so that seemed a bit of a a weird plot turn that went nowhere really i think it would have been yeah a bit more tension to have avm go after beast boy but it was still surprising to see rita in uh jost industries at the very end there uh, wrecking the lab completely. Yeah. But interesting in this, um, AVM, is, uh, Animal Vegetable Mineral Man, as kids call him, is, um, <laughs> completely in his human form in all the appearances. And he's got a bit of a, you know, uh, 80s bad guy haircut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, and, and he has a fairly bad attitude about proceedings. He just seems uninterested about it all completely. But, and irritated, yes. Yeah, yeah. He he's just seems really irritated and frustrated by the whole affair. And I I sense his frustration even more so just as he's about to head to Titan's Tower and he gets a phone call mm. saying, yeah, no, abort, come home, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but creative, creatively on this team, this was written by Keith Giffen and had um, pencil art by Matthew Clark and Ron Randall, friend of the show, um, and inked by John Livesay and lettered by Pat Brousseau and coloured by Guy Major. And once again, I can't tell which pages are Matthew Clark and which are Ron Randall. It's all seamless and mm. uh, a very, very high quality. Yeah. 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 And um, I should cover when it came out. It came out... In 2010. It says it's July on the cover, but it was actually the 5th of May, 2010. Wow. So, if that's your birthday, happy birthday. <laughs> As the kids say. So. Yeah. But the cover does show uh, porcelain, uh, unleashing porcelain shards into uh, Larry Trainer, mm. um, And doing a damn fine job of shredding him. Yes. Yes. It's very cool. I also I also like how uh, I, I've I've read stuff from Matthew Clark in the past where he's a big fan of of Charlie Chaplin stuff um, and, and his old films. And I love that Crazy Jane of this is just like Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> it's just ah. it's just yeah. Uh, I, I follow Matthew on online, and you know I've, I've chatted to him a little bit in the past, and I actually got to meet him at Heroes Con. Uh, one time. So you went to Heroes Con? I did, I did. Uh, have you been? 
Um, yes, I have. Oh, wow, cool. That's we must have just missed each other. But yes, uh, Math, and I love the fact that Matthew's put, you know, um, his own unique little touch uh, with his love of Charlie Chaplin's uh, films in, into a little part of Doom Patrol. I think that's really cool. Oh, that so, is nice. Yeah, and plus, I just like Jane dressing up like that. It's just you know a nice little uh, extra quirk to her character and her appearance. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean Jane's the one character who never has a uniform, really. No, 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 no. I don't think she should ever have one as well. So she's mm. just. Um, I do like the appearance by the toy, though. Towards yeah, the end. that was completely unexpected. I'd even forgotten she. I mean, this isn't the first time I've read this issue, but I had forgotten that she appeared and. <laughs> because uh, she first appeared in in uh, volume two in Grant Morrison. Uh, and Richard Case's era, and she was uh, turned up late for the Brotherhood of Data and that, and she uh, apparently turns up late again in this as well. So <laughs> I, I still don't think we ever actually get to see what Toy's powers really are, other than tardiness or something. Yeah. Yeah, but um, for those of you who don't know what she looks like, she sort of has, like, it's... It's like a metal face mask that sort of looks like a lower part of her face is wearing overalls. And um, she's got lips drawn on that. Mm. And there are toothbrushes on either side of her head like antennas from her ears. Yes. Um, it's it's very Volume 2 Doom Patrol. Yes. yes. It's, <laughs> it's very strange. But, um, yeah, that was a, a nice little uh, reappearance there. So, yeah, it was, it was a good fun issue. I really like this one. Yeah. Well, um... Would you like to take us into the next issue, issue <sighs> 11? Would I ever? Holy jeez, as the kids say. So yes, <laughs> Doom Patrol number 11 of this volume. Uh, covered out in August of 2010, but went on sale June 9th of that year for two ninety nine American uh, for 22 pages. The title of this story is Front and Centre. Written by Keith Giffen. Pencils, again by Matthew Clark and Ron Randall. Inks by John Livesay. Patrick Brosseau on the letters, and Guy Major on the colours. And it was edited once again by Elizabeth V. Gerlaine. And so, the story continues shortly after the events of the preceding issue, opening in Jost Industries in Sacramento, California, with Thayer Jost chatting to Dr. Amanda Beckett, who we've not seen since the first issue of this volume, when the patrol destroyed her secret base on the island of Buena Certe, uh, which was full of botfly monsters, uh, and we discussed that in episode 142 from April of 2019. And as Thayer begins to reveal to the Doctor his plans about controlling public perception about the metahuman menace, he leads her to his latest acquisition, the unconscious and now-bound giant Alaska woman. Meanwhile, on Oolong Island, the science squad is amazed at the person they've managed to secure in a containment field, that being the porcelain woman who attacked the team in the last issue. Negotiations are attempted between Niles Calder, the chief of the Doom Patrol, and the scientists as to who is going to get to experiment on her while she sits there quietly watching them all. Uh, still on Oolong, in the offices of President Veronica Cow, we can see that she's just finished watching Thayer Joss' press conference about how he suffered an unprovoked attack by a member of the Doom Patrol from the rogue state of Oolong Island, and how his frustrations with the metahuman menace have led him to form a group called the Frontmen, consisting of victims of metahuman hubris united in their outrage. 
and Kale is currently now on the phone to Joss and is absolutely furious with him for painting a giant target on her island. Mm. Still on Oolong, Cliff Steele, Robot Man, Larry Trainer, Negative Man and Crazy Jane are heading toward Danny the Bungalow to have a word with Danny's newest tenant, that being Ambush Bug, when they too see Thayer's conference on Larry's phone which Cliff promptly hurls skyward in anger as they agree to rescue Rita no matter what. As Cliff bangs on the front door, they realise Ambushbug is actually just to the side of the house, dressed in overalls and doing some gardening. Yeah. Uh, he mentions that he's not really into the welcome wagon thing, but then berates them for not br- at least bringing a cake or a casserole with them still. <laughs> Weird. Mm. Uh, back in Sacramento, Amanda Beckett and Sven Larsen, the animal, vegetable, mineral man, are in a media room discussing Thea's conference, while the toy sits in a chair nearby, but she's bound to it by some weird laser contraptions. Beckett seems to be in agreement with Joss' plans, while Sven thinks it's madness. They've all but sent an invitation to the patrol to come and get Rita. Thayer then enters the room, proud that he's thrown the gauntlet down, so to speak, and that Beckett's specimens are en route. The front men are preparing themselves for the inevitable confrontation. We then learn that the patrol have enlisted help from Ambush Bug due to his teleportation powers to go and get Rita. However, the search doesn't begin well as he zaps them to Japan, then Brazil, then Scotland, Egypt, Arizona, and finally Italy before Cliff yells for a timeout. Larry has to restrain Cliff when it's discovered that A, Ambush Bug is using a map of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and B, he was saving the Joss Industries building as the last place to look on his list of 243 places to search for Rita. (laughs) Just as the police arrive, Ambush Bug finally teleports them to a men's room in Sacramento, mainly because he just needs to go to the toilet. At that exact same moment, Sven Larsen also enters a men's room. And then the next thing he says is, oh, crap, (laughs) before he, Cliff, and the negative being burst back out through the wall, pummeling each other. Dr. Beckett makes a tactical withdrawal while Ambush Bug holds Larry's prone body, sobbing, he was too young to die. Oh, the humanity. (laughs) As the fight continues, Ambush Bug has managed to be serious for a second, teleport away to search for Rita, then zaps back to teleport Larry back to her. But they've arrived too late to stop Beckett from changing into her botfly queen form, uh, with dozens of her botfly monstrosities climbing all over Rita. Beckett tells, well, more like threatens Larry, that it's taking all of her concentration to keep the monsters under control, and she would hate to be distracted. So Larry turns to Ambushbug and says, Tell Cliff, tell him we're screwed. (laughs) <laughs> the final scene shows Thayer Joss in the media room monologuing to the toy, who's still bound to the chair. He says to her, Suffer not an anachronism to live. Too harsh? That would depend on one's perspective. I've not come this far to be undone by ill-advised past relationships. Perception is merciless. After all, if one wishes to become somebody, one must, regardless of one's feelings in the matter, cultivate relationships with like somebodies. Had I but known... Windmills, as it turns out, are not for tilting. Each serves a function past the decorative aspect, even if that function is reduced to a lure by which gaping tourists are parted from their money. So is reality defined. Radical idealism will only take you so far. A hard truth, to be sure, but an unavoidable one. Where have all the free-thinking radicals of yesteryear gone? Those day-glow acolytes worshipping at the altar of benevolent nihilism. To the boardrooms, for the most part. Sad but true. 
Darwin was right, evolve or die. None are so mad as he who will not consume. In embracing non-conformity, were we not embracing an alternate conformity dictated by the very act of non-conformity? <laughs> a decidedly unprofitable conformity, unless one is a provider of the means by which the illusion of non-conformity was achieved. We all grow up. If we are lucky, we surrender the misconceptions by which we tried to define ourselves. It's at this point that Thayer puts his hands around the toy's head and basically crushes her skull in. Hmm. As he continues, the scales, if you forgive a biblical reference, fall from our eyes. We are, if not reborn, resurrected into the truth. Nobody has ever changed the world. It has always been somebody. Such a basic truth. Such a painful truth. Resilient in the face of revelation. That is the difference between being a nobody or an anybody and being a somebody. A mover. A shaker. A force to be reckoned with. A somebody. And on the final page, we see coming out of Thayajos' body a new version of Mr. Nobody, except he's now bright white. And he says to Thayer, a Mr. Somebody, if you will. And they will, Mr. Joss. Oh, yes, they all will. <gasps> what did you think of issue 11, Paul? It's, I love the fight between Animal, Vegetable, Mineral Man and um, the incoming team. It's uh, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really like the way that Sven is changing his body. He's not doing the classic sort of dinosaur tree thing. He's, you know, mostly doing one form with, um, you know, like spiky diamond hair and things like that. So it looks really cool. Lots of fun. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I find the death of the toy... Um, sort of anachronistic for the comic and kind of mean-spirited. And, I mean, I think it's to show the revelation that this is the villain and he's not to be trifled with, but it really did seem like a, you know, just a, a, a woman being offed to show how bad the bad guy was, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, there is that aspect. Uh, but I, I have to admit, I love that monologue scene, even though it's it's uh, quite gruesome because, yes, he, he as you said, it's, it's an gruesome death but as he's rambling along you're kind of thinking where is he going with this what's all this stuff about being a somebody and then when you turn the page it's like oh my god it's it's mr nobody but he's now mr somebody it's like oh mr nobody no more that's right yeah so yeah no it's so he's behind it all he's been possessing jost and um mm -hmm. basically messing with the team non-stop yeah 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 Getting his new brotherhood together with uh, Animal Vegetable Mineral Man and, and creepy Dr. Beckett and her botfly monstrosities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, I, I, I just love that final scene and that final reveal. Uh, that it's... Yeah, it's... The former Mr. Nobody, yeah, has, has been lurking around in Thea all this time. So... Mm. Mm, yes. And yeah. and the cover, it's it's got uh, Cliff fighting, well, Cliff and, and the negative being uh, fighting, I guess, a kind of classic version of Sven Larsen's head, because his head is half a dinosaur, um, and he's so large that, yes. that Cliff's foot is literally in his mouth on the cover. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, but, but Ambush Bug is just funny and weird in this as well, and the scene where he's teleporting them all around the world... And all you see is, you know, it's like one panel says Tokyo, Japan, and you see a pop, and then the speech blue, nope, 
and that happens for six panels on the one page. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's like, you know, when Cliff says, you were saving Joss' home site for last? And, and Ambush Bugs <laughs> responds, well, it's always the last place you look. And just Larry holding Cliff back from, from punching <laughs> Bush Bug. It's, so yeah, it's, it's great. It's got, it's got some cool fight scenes. It's got some comedy. It's, it's got, you know, plans and mach- machinations advancing. And it's got, yeah, a fairly, you know, a little bit of, uh, of an over the top death and sacrifice mm. of a character. Just, yeah, I hadn't thought of that before, Paul. That's, that's a really good point. Um, that it's kind of just getting rid of someone to show how bad the bad guy is. You know, it's a little bit over the top. Yeah. Particularly why I, we don't understand... I mean, he's he's basically implying that she's an old associate and, and you know, unworthy of his current state. Mm. But, you know, yeah, it's very um, unnecessary. But, you know, it, yeah. Mm. I guess he's not the nice Mr. Nobody that we're used to. Yeah, he's he's definitely a changed being. Um, but having Amanda Beckett there, I mean, it just means that um, Mr. Nobody has been behind everything from the first issue onwards. Yep. So, I mean, that was where they they lost um, Nudge, and that's uh, that's where they met Amanda Beckett and mm-hmm. her Botfly army. And, yep. Yeah, and then the interdimensional gentrifiers, they're all MSC, they're all, they're all working for him. Mm. It's him yep. all the time. Yep. And this is where we see it all, all come out. <laughs> so, I yeah, I, I remember reading this, and because I think when this had come out, I'd sort of just been racing through the Morrison stuff, so I'd sort of just gotten out of the original Mister Nobody stories, and then you know to get to this it was like, oh my god, he's still around! Oh, what the hell! So <laughs> that was really cool, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing you know the the rest of the series because we're at the halfway point now. Yeah. Ah. Mm. Well, good stuff. Um, do we feel like we have to explain this sufficiently? I, I think so. I, I, as we always say with this volume, if you get the chance to read it, please do so if you haven't already. It's such good fun. It's it's got it's got everything. It's got superhero fights and comedy and and shocking twists and turns. And I love it. I love volume five. Yeah. <laughs> And now it's part of the show where we look at the mailbag of doom. And mostly in the mailbag this week, we have the responses to our question of the week, which was, who's your favourite fictional bird or bird-themed character? And we got a lot of responses on this one. And uh, we heard from uh, Ed Latore, and he said, um, I'm going to go with two answers because I'm a wild man and no one can stop me. When I was 10 and getting G.I. Joes and playing with them, they ran out of generic snake-themed villains and started making third-tier Spider-Man and enemies. So Raptor is the one 10-year-old me says. <laughs> but my real answer is Vulture 2099, because this was one of the first comics I ever read, and there's a really great twist on Vulture that really creeped me out as a kid. Honestly, don't know how well it holds up, but I legit- legitimately remember the feeling when it happened. And include a nice picture of Raptor, who is um, truly one of the lamest G.I. Joe figures ever. <laughs> Mm, yes, yes. Mm. Uh, Sean Ross then chimed in with uh, saying, I want to stay on brand and be snarky, but my love for Tim Drake won't allow me to. He is the best Robin and maybe the best character of the 90s. Wow. Okay. Ooh. Big call. Mm. Mm. 
Picking up that big phone and dialing there, Sean. <laughs> um, uh, Doug Zavita added, uh, Northwind is the wrong answer. Ooh, Infinity X Northwind. Right, um, but, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, he's um, a bit of a mort, that guy. <laughs> right, okay. Hmm. Uh, we then heard from uh, Casual Hex, Revenge Technician, who said, I would feel shameful choosing anyone besides Hawkman for this, but that motherfucker has earned his spot at the top for me. Honourable mentions, all the other Hawk folk and inhabitants of Hawkworld. Okay, that's fairly direct. <laughs> Meet the Hawks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Doug Zavisha, our friend, Doombro, he said, Blue Falcon's a good answer. Uh, so is Big Bird, but my fave is Shaira Thal, hands down. And he put in a picture of Hawkwoman on the cover of Hawkman. Mm. Mm. Very cool. Mm. Uh, Kevin, uh, who this week is uh, Melt Eat Knit Review on Twitter, uh, gave us a picture of the Silverhawks logo. Ooh. Did you ever get into Silverhawks? Not at all. They were awesome. They were, they were like, yeah, um, cyborg space cops. <laughs> and they all were like different bird themed and colours and all had little you know, flying uh, robot bird companions. It was very... It was awesome. Oh, I'll it. take your word for that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, we heard from Dr. Ange, who said, they're weird, they're wild, they're the manhawks. And include pictures of the manhawks, if you're not familiar with the manhawks. They look like sort of birds with heads. Man heads. <laughs> yes. That shoot yeah. laser beams from their eyes or something. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Albard at abudf 9 said, hi, uh, his favourite bird is, or was to be more precise, Monty Python's dead parrot, the one which is <laughs> no more, ceased to be, etc. <laughs> hmm. yeah. hmm. uh, we heard from Matt Roberts, and he said, D from Always Sunny, is she a bird? Um, I have never watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Hmm. So Ed Latore said, this is a quality joker. I'm 95% sure they don't watch it and won't get it. And then Matt said, as long as one person got it, I'm happy. And so I yeah. guess he's happy. Yeah. Well, look, we're yeah. bringing happiness to the fans or something. Yeah, nice. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we then heard from Aaron Long uh, at Juice005, who said, that bird from the Fruit Loops. Loved it when he saved the day in X Factor 57. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was a great issue, yeah. For, for real, yeah. <laughs> uh, we heard from Kent Byers at King of Cities, and uh, what cartoon is that from, Mike? That, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's from uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah. Rick and Morty. Yeah, that's, that's Bird Person, apparently. Oh, okay. Uh, and I only learnt that because someone else posted the same answer. But they actually put a caption in saying who it was and what show they were from. Um, because, oh, very handy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to that person. Yeah. So there you go, bird person. From, I've um, never, not gone in very far into the Rick and Morty pool, I must admit. Yeah, no, nor have I. No. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sergeant America uh, chimed in with uh, the fact that he was a huge fan of the cartoon of Blue Falcon. And uh, was it was it Dynamite or Wonder Mutt? No, it was Dynamite. Dynamite, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Blue Falcon. He was cool. Yeah. Uh, we had from Slangword Scott, who said, Scrooge McDuck, and showed us a nice picture of Scrooge McDuck dying, uh, diving into a uh, pool full of gold coins, yeah. which is not practical or safe, I believe. 
But thankfully, it's a cartoon, so it's, you know, he, he won't be hurt. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, we then heard from Ranger Gord, uh, at RM Ranger on the Twitters, who said, Why, just the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known, Chicken Man. He's everywhere, he's everywhere. And he uh, gave us a link to a Chicken Man episode, and I have not watched it yet, and I don't think I've ever heard of Chicken Man before, to be honest. Yeah. No, I'm familiar with Chicken Man. Uh, Jack Rocher at Old Fashioned Outlaw said, Robin slash Nightwing, Dick Grayson. Mm. Yes. Mm, cool. Mm. Uh, David Capoon, or I hope I pronounced that uh, correctly, David, who is uh, at L- I Dig Books on, on Twitter. I hope I pronounced that correctly, and it's not L Dig Books, because that would be weird. Anyway, uh, David said, is no one going to say my boy Super Chicken? And I guess not because, <laughs> well, a couple of people like that tweet, but I've, I, that's another one I wasn't aware of at all. It's like an advertising mascot for like <laughs> car sales or something. Right, yes, because chickens and, and cars, that's, that's a winning combo, as the kids say. <laughs> mm. um, Jim Deadman chimed in and just gave us visual answers, and he showed us a picture of uh, the man called Hawk from Buck Rogers, and um, uh, that's Brian Blessed from Flash Gordon, I believe. Gordon's alive! Yes, he is, yes. And um, what's that from? The Black Cauldron? Is that, that the bottom one? No, no, that's, that's... I can't remember the character's name, but the crow is... Uh, he gave us a picture of an animated crow, which is from The Secret of Nim. Ah, ah. And that, that's a bit where I believe it's Mrs. Frisbee helps him get untangled and, and oh, okay. uh, some rope, and they become friends. Oh, yeah, and and then some girl with a hawk hat. What's that from? That, that's Sorceress from Masters of the Universe. Come on. Oh, Surely. okay. Really, come on. Dude. As, as the kids say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, Jim. Yes. Thorough. Very thorough, yes. Uh, we then heard from Steve Chen, uh, at That's Just Steve, uh, who gave us uh, a, a picture of Big Bird dancing oh. with, uh, is it Jimmy Fallon? No, yeah, not it's Fallon. Like Jim... Is it? Yeah, it says Fallon tonight in the corner. That would give it away, yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, late, tired, old, whatever. Uh, yes, the dancing a jig and, and the gif has word to the big, the big bird. It oh, could actually say fall on tonight. Yes, it could, but I, I don't think so somehow. Oh, okay. Uh... On Facebook, we heard from Baruch Nahon, who said, Red Raven, timely, 1940, and Marvel, later. And his daughter, the second Red Raven, died in Avengers Arena, 2012. Oh. Right. Oh, I can't oh. remember Red Raven, but I do remember liking Avengers Arena. That was a pretty good comic. Okay. Cool. Hmm. Uh, Simon Richardson chimed in with uh, saying, It has to be Bird Person from Rick and Morty. And then showed his picture of Bird Person with... Um, which one's the old dude? Is he Rick or Morty? Uh, that's uh, Rick. Is it? Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they made it from Gotham Sharon, who said, I'm only half joking when I say it is Condor Man, and showed the wow. poster of Condor Man. Do you remember Condor Man? V- only very vaguely. It was a one-off movie that looked amazing on the poster and in the ads, mm. but... Uh, it was okay. It wasn't amazing. <laughs> it, it it was a film. Yes. Yes. And uh, Frank Spencer was Condor Man. If I remember correctly. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Good old Frank. <laughs> uh, 
Clinton Clinton Robeson chimed in with Hawkman, but a very close second is the 1990s version of Black Condor, unless we're counting Robin due to the bird-related name, in which case we're going to need an entirely new ranking system set up. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Clinton. (laughs) Jared Driscoll said the Golden Age Hawkman. Okay. Nice pick. Hmm? Uh, Jonathan Schaefer Hames chimed in with uh, Sam Wilson as either Falcon or Captain America. Okay. Okay. Um, And Keith G. Baker said, Northwind by a mile. Anyone who says otherwise (laughs) doesn't know what they're talking about. Ooh. 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 Shots fired. Yeah, (laughs) as as the kids say. Uh, Mike Zomkowski asked, do birds of prey count? I would think so. Yeah, sure. You know, it's it's in the name. They're birds, yeah. Yeah, um, and then Andrew Leyland showed a picture of the uh, the robot from uh, Buck Rogers, but eventually someone helped him out with a picture of Hawk, because he got yes. a picture of Hawk. Yes, yeah, so he was going for a, an animated post um, of Hawk, but somehow it ended up with... Was the robot called Twiggy? Tweaky? 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 Tweaker? Tweaker? <laughs> Tweaker? I don't know. Tika was annoying. Masala? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it, Tikka Masala. That's what the robot on Buck Rogers was called. Good, good, we got that sorted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, finally, after all this time. <laughs> yes, uh, so do, do you have a favourite um, bird-related character, Paul? Um, or, or fictional bird? Yeah, um, I really should have thought of an answer before coming up with a question, shouldn't I? Mm, um, yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, I, I'm very... Fond of Hawkwoman, I think she's my favourite. Okay. Um, bird theme character. Uh, I'm with Doug on that. Uh, she kicks ass, and she's um, a great hero. And we miss her from the DC universe at this stage. Yeah. At this stage. <sighs> what, a, yeah. what about you? Um, I'll, I'll give you a two for. I'll, I'll give you a fi- favourite fictional bird. Uh, that would be Big Bird. He was just, you know, a nice, pleasant character who was always lots of fun. Uh, and bird themed. Uh, again, I'm going to go with something from my childhood because I couldn't actually think of a of a present day one at all. Uh, so I'm going to go with G Force from Battle of the Planets or Gatchaman, oh, yeah. as yep. they were called, because they they had their their ship uh, that could turn into the Phoenix form, you know, flames and flying through space, and then all their vehicles and their costumes were all bird themed, and I couldn't tell you any of their names. <laughs> at this stage or at this age but I just remember enjoying the heck out of that cartoon when I was a kid I remember the the only girl on the team called Mark there's always a Mark of course yeah there was Mark and then there was was it Princess the woman I should have researched this more before I yeah but she had like a swan there was a guy who had like the owl theme there was was it Keop the young kid who you know I I think he was actually a bad influence because he had like uh um, not a yo-yo, but some, something that I was able to replicate with a yo-yo as a kid and would spin it around in my head and pretend to be him. And I think I got into trouble for uh, accidentally letting it fly off one time. <laughs> mm. not, not, in, not on purpose towards my brother at all once, you know. Ooh. So, mm, yeah, mm. yeah. Anyway, yeah, that those are, would be my own from... Uh, from my childhood, yeah, I can't think of a modern day one. Hmm. Anyway, we we also got some additional mail. Uh, oh, we, we did, a, yes. 
Yes, we got some comments uh, on episode 150. First from Tim Price, uh, uh, talking about uh, the new the new issue then. Uh, so volume three of Weight of the Worlds. And Tim said, I'm enjoying the ride a little more, especially the major curves thrown in this issue. But I agree, I'd like more characterization and a touch less weird for weirdness sake. But it's off to a delightful start. And hey, congrats on episode 150. Hmm. And that That's was it. all he wrote. That's uh, all he wrote, yes. There was nothing else a, that he wrote. We also got a comment from Martin Gray, who said, It's funny you lads are now at the point I was the last issue. Sick of the randomness of it all. He's talking about Weight of the Worlds as well. Uh, this mm. issue had a much tighter narrative. Sure, it didn't give me the talky, this is the status quo issue I want, but it went from A to B, which was nice, and it looked blooming lovely. I feel bad for Rita. I hate her being a blob, and here she looked really disturbing. Can life be sweeter for Rita? And what can it mean that she goes to Mento to flex Mentallo? Is the Legionnaire Mentella next on her target? Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, Martin. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we also got a comment about episode 150 from uh, Doug, uh, our Doom Bro, Doug. And uh, he wrote, Doom Bros, <laughs> I realise you have zero or either in Australia, but chimpanzees are apes, not monkeys. Oh, I've been species shamed. Yep, yep. Thank you, <laughs> Doug. <laughs> yeah. And we also got a very uh, brief comment on episode one on the site. Someone listened wow. to us, and it's Ashford, and he said, "Excellent episode." Hmm. Do you know um, Thanks, Ashford. what Ashford's name is translated to in Norwegian? No, I don't. Ashfjord. Uh, right. Hmm. Right, okay. I'm I'm sure he took great pride in telling you that. (laughs) So, uh, okay, well, Ashfield, right. Wow. (laughs) Recover, come on. (laughs) Well, uh, we made it through, as the kids say. Uh, another episode done. Um, so we'll start signing off for now. Uh, Paul, what is coming up next time on the feed? Next time we're going to be doing a DCOCD on Superman New Krypton. New Krypton. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So and after new that... New Krypton. After that, what are we doing? Yeah, and then after that, we'll be back with uh, another Waiting for Doom, and we'll be looking at issue four of uh, Way to the Worlds, where they go to Destiny Beach. So, Flex's hometown, apparently. So, or something. Or something, yeah. 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 Looking forward to awesome it. Fun. Nick Patara. Uh, yeah, and some of the art that's come out online looks really cool, and um, I like the, the Nick Derrington cover featuring Flex and Rita. You know, mm. Flex and their muscles. Looks very cool. Mm. And uh, do we have a question of the week for the next Waiting for Doom, Paul? Uh, we do, and the question of the week is, what is your favourite comic that is about a true event, or a real-life occurrence or something, story? Oh, okay. So, um, you know, non-fiction. Right, right. So, real stuff. Okay. Real stuff, yeah. Mm. Right. N- not Alex Sinada, then. Okay. <laughs> no. Right, okay. Okay, cool. So well, uh, that's Mark us. Russell stuff that's eligible. Really? <laughs> Probably. Right, okay. I'm sure you'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's us done for another episode. Uh, as always, you can get, get in touch with us on Twitter at WFDPod. You can email us at WaitingForDoom at gmail.com. You can check out the Waiting for Doom Facebook page and our awesome site, WaitingForDoom.com. So as always, stay weird, be good to each other, don't be a crumb bum, and we will catch you again next time for more Waiting for Doom. Waiting for Doom. How are you? <laughs> I'm terribly natural. How are you? <laughs> this conversation is not stilted mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. We're very used to talking to each other in yes. recorded form. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. All right, are you good to go? I, I am. Alrighty. Sounds alright. <laughs> it's you. It is. It is me. It just. Hello and welcome to our podcast about the Doom Patrol. <laughs> hey, you just said it was me. Sorry. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> alright. You do it then. <laughs> Can I? <laughs> it's you know written in the script and all. Good lord. Okay, here we go. <laughs>